Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is to see everyone attend church and hear from God daily through His Word. The Bible reveals God's responses to various situations, and through daily devotions, we can reshape our thought patterns, transform our minds, and become more Christ-like. Join us here every Monday through Friday as different pastors and leaders from Fusion Church provide insightful devotions and teachings based on the day's scripture. For the current SOAP reading plan, visit fusionchurch.cc soap and join us as we deepen our understanding and relationship with God. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see each of you folks here on a chilly day outside, but we have the Lord and we have each other. And that's a great combination. So why don't we do this? Uh, let's pray. Let's just look to the Lord to open his word uh, that it would touch our hearts. Father, we just want to thank you, uh, Lord, for the opportunity at this early hour to come with brothers and sisters. We seek your face, Lord. We seek to know you better through your scriptures. And Holy Spirit, we know you inspired these words, and we just pray that you'd unpack them. And I just pray, Lord, as we look at different points uh, within Daniel 2, Lord, that uh, you would just highlight and underline uh, for each of us those portions that, that we need really to put into full swing in action. So, Father, we thank you, and we just come with an open and an expectant heart. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. Let's roll here. Uh, Daniel 2. Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. Then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came in and stood before the king. The king said to them, I had a dream, and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream. The Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king answered, said to the Chaldeans, the command for me is firm. If you do not make known to me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb. Your houses will be made a rubbish heap. But if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward and great honor. <clears throat> Excuse me. Therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. They answered a second time and said, let the king tell the dream to his servants, and we will declare the interpretation. The king answered and said, I know for certain that you are bargaining for time inasmuch as you have seen that the command for me is firm, that if you do not make the dream known to me, there's only one decree for you, for you have agreed together to speak lying and corrupt words before me until the situation is changed. Therefore, tell me the dream that I may know that you can declare to me its interpretation. The Chaldeans answered the king and said, there's not a man on earth who could declare this matter for the king, inasmuch as no great king or ruler has ever asked anything like this of any magician, conjurer, or Chaldean. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult, and there's no one else who could declare it to the king except gods, whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. 
Because of this, the king became indignant and very furious. He gave orders to destroy all the wise men in Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Then Daniel replied with discretion and discernment to Arioch, the captain of the king's bodyguard, who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Arioch, the king's commander, for what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? Then Arioch informed Daniel about the matter. So Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation to the king. Then Daniel went to his house, informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Arizai about the matter, in order that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. And it is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes the kings and established kings. He gives wisdom to the wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To thee, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for thou hast given me wisdom and power. Even now thou hast made known to me what we requested of thee, for thou hast made known to us the king's matter. Therefore Daniel went in to Arioch, whom the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went and spoke to him as follows. Do not to destroy the wise men of Babylon. Take me into the king's presence, and I will declare the interpretation of the king. Then Arioch hurriedly brought Daniel into the king's presence and spoke to him as follows. I found a man among the exiles from Judah who can make the interpretation known to the king. The king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Balthazar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I've seen in its interpretation? Daniel answered before the king and said, as far as the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men nor conjurers, magicians nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries, and he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what shall take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while you were on your bed. As for you, O king, while you were on your bed, your thoughts turned to what would take place in the future. And he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. You, O king, were looking to behold, there was a single great statue that statue, which was large and of extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. The head of the statue was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. 
you continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands. And it struck the statue on the feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. <clears throat> I'm not going to read the rest of the chapter because really we don't have a lot of time to unpack this. And, and in a sense, we'll touch base a little bit of this stuff um, past this as we go through the study. So um, as I'm looking at Daniel 2, again, I want to give you five points to look at. Number one, when you go through hard times, go to the ultimate authority. Run to God as quick as you know how. Number two, uh, even though we need to run to God, do not be a solitary Christian. Make sure you always have Christian support. Number three, as you go to God, remember just who he is, how big he is. Number four, make sure to testify to others what God has done for you so important. And last, realize that the God we serve knows the future in detail, and ultimately, he's going to win the battle, as we see it in the book of Revelation. So before I go into uh, Daniel 2, let me just give you a little bit of background. The Babylonians had defeated the Jews in Jerusalem and basically, they had taken captive most of the Jews from Jerusalem and carried them away into Babylon. One of the youths that were taken to Babylon was Daniel. But it wasn't just Daniel. Uh, if we look at chapter 1, there was three other companions that went with Daniel. Uh, that would be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, and they were called into the king's service. And these fellows were pretty sharp cookies. Uh, if you look at <clears throat> Daniel 1.17, it says this. And as for these four years, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every branch of literature and wisdom. Daniel even understood all the kinds of visions and the dreams. And verse 20. And as for every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them, here it is, 10 times better than all the magicians and conjurers who were in all his realm. So that's kind of the stage. Uh, these four men are Jews, and they're in Babylon. And we basically uh, pick up the situation now in Daniel 2. So. Um, Things happen, and the king is not a happy camper. Notice 2-1. Now in the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams, and his spirit was troubled, and his sleep left him. So he has a dream, and he, he, he it's a weird-looking dream, and he, he can't make any sense of it. And he's trying to get his sanity back by saying, okay, what is this craziness in my head? Somebody has to tell me what the action is. And he turns basically to his magicians to help him. Verse two, then the king gave orders to call in the magicians, the conjurers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. They came in and stood before the king. 
And the king said to them, I had a dream. My spirit is anxious to understand the dream. In other words, you guys better help me out quick. Then the Chaldeans spoke to the king in Aramaic. Oh, king, live forever. Tell the dream to your servants, and we will declare the interpretation. They said, okay, king, no problem. We'll help you out. What's the dream? But it's interesting. Nebuchadnezzar uh, kind of puts them in the spot. Look at five. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, the command for me is firm. If you do not make known to me, number one, the dream, and then its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a rubbish heap. Well, that would make you really feel pretty good if you're one of those magicians like, uh-oh, we're in big trouble. But he does say a positive. Six, but if you declare the dream and its interpretation, you will receive from me gifts and a reward. Great honor, therefore, declare to me the dream and its interpretation. So basically, um, it's not working good, uh, and they can't figure it out. And we hear in 12, the king is really ticked off. Because of this, the king became indignant, very furious. He gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Okay, so the king's on a rampage. You guys can't tell me the dream. You can't interpret it. That's it. You're done. And I'm going to find all these folks that are magicians. And even Daniel and his three friends, I'm going to wipe them out. <clears throat> well, from there, uh, we look at verse 16. So Daniel went in to the king. He requested the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation of the dream. So the first point is this, when we're in a tight spot and when trouble arises, we can many times, we run here, we run there, we're all over the place, we panic. And I think we learn here, if you're in a hard situation, before you go anywhere else, go directly to the Lord. Go directly to the Lord. Look at verse 17, because that's what Daniel does, 17. Then Daniel went to his house, informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Zariel, about the matter. That's the other names for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In order that they might request compassion. Here it is, from what? God. That's where he's going. From the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men. So basically, um, even the wise men of Babylon realized they humanly could not figure it out. Look at 11. Uh, here's what the wise men said to the king. Moreover, the thing which the king demands is difficult. There's no one else who could declare it to the king except gods, whose dwelling place is not with mortal flesh. In other words, Everybody's acknowledging these magicians and Daniel, Shadrach, Misha, and Abednego. They know if God doesn't come through, they're done. It's over. So Daniel makes a beeline directly to the Lord. And he seeks God to be able to give him insight. And I think what we need to realize 
in the Bible, there's many times <clears throat> when Israel runs in to tough situations and instinctively they go to God. If you remember at the Red Sea, <clears throat> the Egyptians are coming at them on one end. There's the sea on the other. They're in a, between a rock and a hard place and they cry out, God, you got to come in and God comes through. We know there's other times <clears throat> the uh, the Israelites are hemmed in by enemies, and they're in a big mess. And if you look at 2 Chronicles 20, 12, we're talking about Jehoshaphat. I mean, he runs quickly to God, and he says, basically, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. In other words, Lord, you're the maker of the heavens. You're the maker of the earth. You have to help us, or we're done and over. Nehemiah, as he tries to build the walls and reestablish them, he gets all kind of opposition. And again, he cries out to God again and again in Nehemiah, God, give me wisdom. God, give me protection. But the instinct is to go to God. Let me go to the creator. If anybody can fix the situation and the jam I in, it has to be God. I think it's very easy for us many times to run to other people first. Help, 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 and we're running all over. But we need to go to God. So I don't know if you're facing a really tough situation in your life today, and if you don't have one today, somewhere in 2024, you will. I think this scripture is very clear. When you're in a struggle and a pain and a heartache, go directly to the one who can settle that. It's not a human being, it's God, okay? Now, um, on the flip side, even though we go to God first, it's extremely important that we not be a Lone Ranger Christian doing our own little deal. We need, the Bible is so clear, we need other brothers and sisters to successfully navigate the wilderness of this world. It is a wilderness. It's tough out there. Just flip on the news. You'll see how tough it is. So basically, <clears throat> assuming the Bible is very clear. We need each other to support each other. We need each other to encourage each other. We need each other to help us discern God's will. God, what should I do? Should I do this? Shouldn't I? We need others to bounce thoughts off. We need other people to be able to pray for us. And you can see that's exactly what Daniel does. He goes to the ultimate source, but he also gets his buddies in the action. Uh, if you look again at 17 and 18, it says this, Daniel went to what? His house. He found his friends, okay, and 18, in order that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning the mystery. So I find it very interesting. Daniel said, hey, I'm going to God. He's the only one that can answer, but brothers, I need your help. I need your support. So I think many times when we're in a hard time, it's good to reach out to brothers and sisters and friends and say, hey, pray for me. I need God's intervention in my life. So I guess I, I would have to ask the question here for us, who are those friends that you can count on in the hard time to stand in the gap for you and say, hey, I need help. Would you pray for me? I'm in a hard spot. Who are those friends? And if there's nobody that comes to mind, then ask God to raise up friends. Ask God to put you to those people or those people to you. But we need human support. Even Jesus, 
in the Garden of Gethsemane, he goes directly to his father, right? I think this is cool. This came to me now. It's not in the notes. He goes to his father, but what did he do? He got his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, and he brought them with them into the garden so that he had support. As humans, we need human support, <clears throat> even though God is the ultimate authority. Okay, number three, um, when we get into trouble, we need to realize just who is the God that we're going to. We're not going to some kind of a puny, weak, ineffective God. We're going to the God who made the heavens and the God who made the earth and the God who keeps this place going moment by moment by moment by moment. So who is this God? <clears throat> if you look at uh, verse 20, Daniel uh, starts saying, uh, Daniel answered and said, as he, he goes to God, he's blessing God because God reveals to him the answer. He says, let the name of God be blessed forever, for wisdom and power belong to him. So number one, we need to realize in the hard times, God is very, very super smart and intelligent and wise. God has all the data of the universe. And because he knows everything and has the wisdom to apply everything, he's the ultimate answer to our problem. So I don't know if you're facing some issue today or problem and you can't figure it out. I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. We're in a fix and we try to figure it out. Okay, let me, I got to get it. I got to get it. I got to figure it out. In fact, we might even run into everybody else. Help me, help me, help me, which we said it's okay. But sometimes we got to realize there's only one person that has the wisdom to answer the question that's banging at our life. And that's God himself. Notice he says, uh, verse 20, for wisdom belongs to the Lord. And then he unpacks that wisdom. If you look at the uh, second half of verse 21, he, God, gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. So God is extremely, extremely wise. And that's tremendously comforting to me <clears throat> when I get in a situation that I can't figure out. They go to, okay, Lord, you've got to help me. And here's what I'm learning over the years. I can't demand that when I have a question that God, okay, God, uh, I need wisdom and you give it to me right now. We can't tell God when to give the wisdom, but I believe if we seek wisdom at the right time and in the right way, God will download the wisdom. Now that could be that day, it could be a week, could be a month, could be even longer. We just have to have to trust that when the wisdom is necessary, when I really need it, God will give it to us. So you might be somewhere today trying to figure things out. Go to the Lord. He has all knowledge. He knows your situation in detail. He has all wisdom to know how to help you navigate your situation. So we need to remember God is all knowledgeable, all wise, but we also need to know he's all powerful. Verse 20, for wisdom and power belong to him. So we're not dealing with a God who's weak. 
God made the entire universe out of nothing. I mean, he has infinite power. Uh, getting back to the Red Sea, we saw that tremendous display for the Israelites where he literally caused the Red Sea to open up and part. I mean, that was a mouth-opening, awesome event to the Israelites as they saw it. It's like, wow. If you look at the Old Testament, we also see that at one point, he allowed the sun to stand still, literally, so Israel could win a battle against their enemies. That's pretty powerful. Uh, he wins battles for the Israelites left and right. <clears throat> He's very powerful. Even he has the people march around Jericho. And as they do that, he defeats them. And if you want to really see the power of God, when God becomes a man, so that we can really kind of get a handle on him, look at Jesus. I mean, you want power. He gives sight to the blind. He gives hearing to the deaf. He gives the ability to speak to the dumb. He heals leprosy. He takes lame people and commands them, get up and walk, and they walk. Jesus even raises the dead. So I don't know what your situation it is, but God has the ability to give you wisdom to navigate your situation and also power to handle that situation. He's a God of wisdom. And he's a God of power. We also know he's a sovereign God. He sits on the throne, and he's the one that's calling the shots in this universe. If you look at verse 21 in the beginning, it is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings, and he established kings. He is literally the king of kings. He's sovereign. And to me, that's an extremely comforting feeling deep in my heart. I mean, that sovereign means nothing can happen in my life. Nothing can happen in anybody's life on the screen unless God gives permission. I like what a friend of mine said. God never says, oops, oh my, oh my, something got by me. Wow. Uh, I better clean this mess up. That happened. No, no, no. God sits as the king of the universe and nothing can come into your life, no pain, no heartache, no sorrow, unless he gives permission. And if he gives permission, then we know also biblically that he's a loving God. We also know he's a good God. And if we said he has all wisdom and all power, that means if he allows a hard time, he ultimately wants to bring a good out of it. And our cause, we need to trust and obey. The Israelites dropped the ball many times in the wilderness. They didn't understand God's ways, so they got all kind of wound up, and they complained and grumbled, and they shot themselves in the foot. So we need to remember when we come to God that he's wise, he has all knowledge, he's all-powerful, and he is a sovereign God. He's sovereign in Palestine. None of the stuff over there in Israel has caught God by surprise. He knows exactly what's happening. God has a plan that he's orchestrating over there, probably beyond your mind and mine. And not only does he have a plan that he's working out in Israel, he's working out a plan in your life and mine, and we need to learn to trust him in that plan. Okay, uh, number four, I think we need to testify to others about who God is. We need to brag about the God that we serve. Uh, look at verse 26. 
So Daniel starts boasting in the Lord. Um, and the king says this, 26. The king answered it and said to Daniel, whose name was Balthazar, are you able to make known to me the dream which I've seen and its interpretation? <clears throat> now look at the credit, uh, basically, uh, that Daniel gives to God. Verse 27. Daniel answered before the king and said, as for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, conjurers, magicians, nor diviners are able to declare it to the king. However, there is a God in heaven. That's it. He says, it's all about God. He says, hey, Nebuchadnezzar, my God is the one that's pulling this off. Uh, okay, he says, 28. However, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. <coughs> he, that God, has made known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future. And he, again, he's boasting in God, he who reveals mysteries has made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man. He said, it's not about me, King. No, no, no. Don't look to me and, 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 and get inspired that I'm the one that I, I, I'm just a channel. I'm a vehicle. I don't have this residing in me. It's God, King. It's my God. And he basically says, uh, but for the purpose of making known the interpretation of the kingdom, that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. So basically, again, he boasts in God. And the last one, God is sovereign, <clears throat> meaning he knows the future, he knows the details, and he wins the battle. And what's interesting, in 31 uh, to 33, uh, he starts unpacking this dream. Uh, 31. You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. That statue, which was large and of extraordinary splendor, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was awesome. Mike, am I good? S something just came out to, oh, my. You're good. Keep going. Okay, something's weird on my screen. It says leave meeting. Okay, well, whatever. Let's keep going. 32. The head of that statue was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You continued looking until the stone was cut out without hands and it struck the statue of its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. And here's what's kind of cool as it wraps up, 38.5. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver and the gold were crushed all out at the same time. They became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that not a trace of them was found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Well, we know basically at this point uh, that historians have told us what that statue represents, okay? The gold head represents Babylon. The belly and the, I'm sorry, the gold is Babylon. The 
the breast and the arms of silver are the Medes and the Persians. They come after Babylon. The belly and the thighs were bronze. And after the Medes and Persians, that represents Greece. The legs and the feet of iron uh, represent Rome that followed Greece. And then what's interesting, uh, the stone, 34 uh, and 35, is really cool. It's a stone that struck the mountain and filled the whole earth. And if you want to see a little bit more about that stone, look at 44. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed, and that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put to an end all these kingdoms, but it will endure forever. That rock that's made without hand, that is literally Jesus Christ, and he is going to be the ultimate kingdom that comes on the earth and establishes his kingdom. And as we're beginning to wrap up here, um, we know this in Mark chapter 1 uh, and verses 14 and 15. Uh, basically, Jesus preaches this. It says this, uh, Mark 1, 14. And after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus is saying, my eternal kingdom in me, in my person, is now breaking in to the earth. And he tells them that that kingdom, he tells his disciples and us, that kingdom is going to grow, it's going to spread. In Matthew 13 and verse 31, uh, Jesus said this, he presented another parable of them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds, but when it is full grown, it's larger than the garden plants. It becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air lodge in its nests. So basically, Jesus says the kingdom starts small. It's just me. But guess what? On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit that's in me is going to be poured out into the church. And now my kingdom that starts small just with me is going to spread through the entire earth, which it does. And we find out uh, basically here uh, that at the end of time, uh, God's going to wrap it up. Uh, if you look at again in Matthew 13, 41 to 43, it says this, at the end of time. The Son of Man will send forth his angels, and they will gather out of the kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. That's hell. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And then here's the neat thing about the kingdom. It says, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. And then... It all wraps up when you look at the book of Revelation, and I'm sure one of these days we're going to get there. If you read Revelation 11:15, here's the wrap up. Revelation 11:15, it says this: <clears throat> "The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He will reign forever and ever and ever." So, folks, kingdoms come, kingdoms go. Rome, Greece, 
all the others, they passed. But there's a kingdom that's going to go on forever and ever. That's the kingdom of God. And it's really important for any of us on the screen or anybody outside, basically, to be in that kingdom. So make sure that you've made a commitment to Christ, that he's your Lord, he's your Savior, that you've opened yourself to his spirit, um, and that you're born again. That's how we enter the kingdom. Uh, and basically, God is going to bring that kingdom. And it looks kind of messy. You look at our world now. It's messed up. We have the Ukraine. We have what's in Palestine. It looks like chaos. <clears throat> but as we said, God's on the throne. God knows exactly what he's doing. He's working his end time plan. And there's coming a day when Jesus will come back. And he's going to set up his kingdom on the planet. And nobody else is going to be able to overcome it. So that's the great hope of the gospel. <clears throat> and let me leave saying this. Not only does God have a plan for the entire universe that he is orchestrating day by day, but he has a plan for each and every one of you on the screen. Let me say it again. Every single person that's here, every single person, God has a plan for your life. And my challenge, I believe, as we leave is this. Daniel had to see God and said, God, I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I need wisdom. I could guarantee you from God's word, if you're saying to yourself, I don't know what my plan is. I don't know what God's up to. I don't know what he wants out of me. If you sincerely seek the Lord, like Daniel, if you sincerely say, God, give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Lord, what's your plan for my life? And you're dead sincere in that, and you mean business with God. I guarantee you, in his time and in his way, he'll find a way to get through to you and say, hey, this is my plan for you. Now walk in it for my glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Daniel too. And we thank you, Lord, you're on the throne. Wow, what an amazing thing. And that you are a God that knows every piece of information. You're all wise, you're all loving, you're all good, you're all powerful. And I pray, Lord, in the hard times of our lives that may come up in 2024, that you would fixate our eyes, Lord, not on the problems, uh, not on ourselves. But Lord, I pray that you would fixate our eyes on you. You're the one that it's all about. Scripture basically says you're the centerpiece. You're the pivot point of this universe. And we know, Lord, you're big enough today to handle what's going in the Ukraine. You're big enough to handle what's going on in Israel. And we know, Lord, you're big enough to handle what's going on in our individual lives. So, Lord, I just thank you for unfolding that plan for each of us in this new year. Thank you for giving us wisdom. Thank you for empowering us to carry out that wisdom. And we pray, Lord, uh, that we would shine for your glory, for your honor, and for your praise. And it's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen, folks. God bless you all. Have a great 2024. God bless.